let's say that for breakfast, you have oatmeal with fruit, almonds, and chia seeds. For lunch, you have a vegetable hummus sandwich. And for dinner, you have a chickpea bowl with brown rice and almonds. Right there, you have 15.4 grams of protein. You have more power over your health than what you've been told. This is the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions Podcast. I'm Maya Acosta, and I'm passionate about finding healthy lifestyle solutions to support optimal human health. If you're willing to go with me, together we can discover how simple lifestyle choices can help improve our quality of life and increase longevity in a big way. Let's get started. In this episode, we will learn about protein. Where do we get our protein? What are the dangers of consuming too much of it? And can plant-based foods provide us with adequate protein? Stay tuned to learn more. When I was six years old, we held a huge party for my youngest sister's baptism. She was just a baby. During this time, we lived in Mexico City. My mother often dressed us three older girls in similar dresses. So I have two huge memories about that day. I was wearing a long, beautiful red velvet skirt and felt pretty. And the other memory was that of watching a pig as he was being taken from the back of a truck and into the house. I apologize ahead of time for any graphic descriptions that may offend you. The pig was to be slaughtered, wrapped in large leaves and buried in the backyard where he would be cooked for hours. I don't recall eating the meat that day. Years later, as I was going through my family's albums, I saw a photo of my dad from that day. He was holding that already cooked pig's leg, for example, how you would hold a turkey leg, and he was diving into the meat. My dad was proud that he had participated in the slaughter of that pig. Something about that day felt wrong. My family would eventually migrate to the States to reunite with my mother's side of the family, and we went from extremely humble beginnings to having access to the foods of kings and queens of old, as Dr. John McDougall likes to say. It was not unusual to open up our fridge to find a cow's head with her tongue sticking out. At times, our dad would tease us by eating the cow's eyes right in front of ours, no pun intended. And I would often have steak for dinner. We finally had access to food like never before. So you would think the more protein in our diet meant better health, right? Well, let's understand what protein is. What exactly is protein? Here's an excerpt taken from the START solution. Proteins are built from 20 amino acids that are connected into chains in varying sequences. Plants and organisms are able to synthesize all 20 of these amino acids. Humans can synthesize only 11 of them, which are called non-essential, because we do not need food to obtain them. The nine remaining amino acids are called essential because we must get them from the foods that we eat. When I first gave up meat in my mid-20s, I wasn't worried about getting adequate amounts of protein. However, I was under the belief that I had to combine my foods, so I would eat beans and rice together to make sure that I would get complete proteins. Today, we know that protein combining is not necessary. Now, this is how Dr. McDougall explains how we process the proteins. So when we eat, our stomach acids and intestinal enzymes break the protein molecules back down into individual amino acids. The body absorbs these amino acids into the bloodstream and then reassembles them 
to form new proteins. And these newly formed proteins help us to maintain the shape of our cells to create enzymes for biochemical reactions, to produce the hormones that signal messages between our cells, and to perform other life-sustaining activities. Plants also offer a rich source of protein. Animals such as elephants, hippopotamuses, giraffes, and cows all get their protein from plants. If these large animals can thrive on plants, can we also thrive on plants? Yes, we can. Consuming a diet rich in vegetables, whole grains, legumes, nuts, and seeds will provide us with all the proteins that we need. Now, in general, women only need about 46 grams of protein a day, while men need about 56 grams daily. Recommendations can increase a little more for pregnant women and for athletes. Okay, so let's talk about fat diets and blue zones before we continue on this protein. So we currently see a handful of fat diets which promote high levels of proteins for weight loss, disease prevention, and for athletic performance. These diets are not evidence-based and they are not sustainable. Yet most Americans get more than double the amount of protein that they need with added cholesterol and saturated fat. I had mentioned in a previous episode The healthiest diet is one that is high in carbohydrates and low in fat. A diet rich in whole grains, fruits, and vegetables is recommended for controlling weight and preventing diseases such as cancer and heart disease. In a future episode, I will highlight the research behind the book called The Blue Zones. These are areas or small communities throughout the world with the longest-lived people, also known as centenarians. In the blue zones, we see nine lifestyle components that centenarians have in common and are thought to contribute to their longevity. People in these regions live a fairly active lifestyle. They maintain healthy social connections with the elderly seeing as valuable to the community. There's a strong belief in a higher power. They maintain a relatively low-stress lifestyle, and they mostly consume a plant-based diet. About 90% of their diets consist of legumes, vegetables, and starchy foods. Meat is rare and usually consumed during special occasions. If people in these regions can live up to 100 years old with little meat throughout their lives, why can't we? Well, first let's return back to what happens when we eat too much protein. A diet high in protein can actually contribute to disease and other health problems. And we will look at heart disease, decline kidney function, cancer, and premature death. So heart disease. High protein diets are extremely high in dietary cholesterol and saturated fat. Evidence indicates that meals high in saturated fat adversely affect the compliance of arteries, increasing the risk of heart attacks. Decline kidney function. Harvard researchers reported that high-protein diets were associated with a significant decline in kidney function. Based on the observations in 1,624 women participating in the Nurses' Health Study, when too much protein is consumed, this places strain on the kidneys. The American Academy of Family Physicians noted that high animal protein intake is largely responsible for the high prevalence of kidney stones in the United States. How about cancer? When I first transitioned over to this lifestyle, I became aware about the dangers of overcooking our foods. But did you know that when you grill or fry certain proteins, like the meat, fish, and poultry, at high temperatures, compounds called heterocyclic amines are produced? 
and these substances have been linked to various cancers such as colon and breast cancer. The World Health Organization declared red meat and processed meat as being carcinogenic to humans, with these foods being associated with increased risk of colorectal cancer. These animal-based foods also lack the cancer-protective ingredient fiber, which we will cover in a future episode. Here's an excerpt from PCRM when it comes to premature death. Evidence shows that diets high in animal protein can actually lead to early death. A study published in 2019 found that those who consume more meat and protein from animal-based sources in place of plant-based sources increase the risk of death from chronic disease by 23%. Another study found that participants who ate the most animal protein have a five-fold increased risk of death related to diabetes. Those younger than 65 who ate the most animal protein had a 74% risk of death from any cause and a fourfold increase in death related to cancer. Now let's look at plant-based protein. Protein, by the way, protein deficiency is almost unheard of in the United States unless you are facing starvation, at which point you will also be facing all sorts of deficiencies. So just how much protein do we need? Well, first multiply your weight in pounds by 0.36 to calculate the grams of protein that you need per day. So here's an example. Say you weigh 140 pounds, you multiply that by 0.36 and you will get 50.4 grams of protein. Keep in mind that we said earlier that women only need about 46 grams of protein per day while men only need about 56 grams daily. So let's look at what a day of consuming plant-rich foods can look like. I'm providing a list of daily plant-based meals that I obtained from the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. All right, so let's say that for breakfast, you have oatmeal with fruit, almonds, and chia seeds. For lunch, you have a vegetable hummus sandwich. And for dinner, you have a chickpea bowl with brown rice and almonds. Well, right there, you have 15.4 grams of protein. Okay, here's another example. How many of us do not like tofu scramble? which is delicious. So say for breakfast, you have a vegetable tofu scramble with toast. For lunch, you have black bean and corn salad. And for dinner, you have a pasta primavera with lentils. Right there, you'll have 50.9 grams of protein. Okay, another example, blueberry pancakes for breakfast. Lentil soup and hummus sandwich for lunch. And for dinner, you have black bean fajitas with brown rice. Right there, it's 53.8 grams of protein. Our last example would be steel-cut oats that have raisins, soy milk, and banana for breakfast, a small bean burrito with steamed broccoli, and for dinner, you have something like whole wheat pasta with marinara sauce or a bowl of minestrone, whole wheat bread, and a side of green salad. That's 65.8 grams of protein. Okay, if you wanted to look at individual sources of protein, here's some examples. You can have three ounces of seitan, and that's eight grams of protein. One cup of lentils gives you 17.9 grams of protein. Half a cup of tempeh, that's 16.8 grams. One cup of black beans, 15.2 grams. One cup of chickpeas, 14.5 grams, and on and on. For a printable copy of these plant-based sources of protein, please visit plantbaseddfw.com. We eat like kings and queens. Quote, Why is it that we assume that the best sources of protein are meat, poultry, fish, eggs, and dairy products? 
Is it because we confer higher social status on those who indulge in meat? Do we consume meat as a way to elevate ourselves, to separate ourselves from populations that, it turns out, may be a lot more fortunate than us by enjoying the indigenous plant foods that surround them? Is it because high-protein foods reap high profits? Because billboards and television advertisements and best-selling books say it is so? End of quote, Dr. John McDougall. In 2001, the American Heart Association's journal called Circulation published a position paper which claimed that while plant proteins form a large part of the human diet, most are deficient in one or more essential amino acids and therefore are seen are seen as incomplete proteins. Alarmed by this misinformation, Dr. John McDougall wrote a letter to the editor asking for a correction of this misinformation. His letter was published in the June 2002 issue of Circulation. His evidence was ignored. So Dr. John McDougall sent another letter, which was published in November of 2002. The head of the Nutrition Committee at the time still would not accept the evidence. But By 2011, after years of Dr. McDougall trying to correct this misinformation, the American Heart Association finally stated, quote, you don't need to eat foods from animals to have enough protein in your diet. Plant proteins alone can provide enough of the essential and non-essential amino acids as long as sources of dietary protein are varied and caloric intake is high enough to meet energy needs, end of quote. Here are a couple of more studies referenced by the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine. Plant protein is the most beneficial source. A study published in 2020 found that replacing red meat with high-quality plant proteins, such as beans, nuts, or soy, may be associated with a reduced risk of coronary heart disease. Another recent study found that eating plant-based protein from sources such as bread, cereal, and pasta instead of animal protein reduce the risk of death from heart disease by up to 12%. Circling back to my own family, it was not until we relocated to the United States that my family finally had ample access to meat. I do not recall my mother ever suffering from overweight until we moved here. As more and more family members relocated to the United States and family gatherings took place on a regular basis, we began to see that obesity was becoming an issue. I cannot tell you how many women in my family have now had their gallbladders removed. It is not surprising to hear from time to time that another family member is now suffering with type 2 diabetes. When I was in my 30s, I knew that we were at risk for type 2 diabetes but I thought it was due to our being Hispanic. I thought it was due to our genes. Today, I know that we can prevent so many of the chronic diseases that plague our people. We can take measures to prevent type 2 diabetes. Both of my parents now have diabetes. My mother has suffered two strokes and has blockages in one of her legs and also suffers from neuropathy. During my college years, I took a nutrition class as I was trying to heal my relationship with food. I can't say that I learned much, but there was so much emphasis on supplements. During that time, I made the decision to stop eating red meat and pork. And you can imagine all the foods that I gave up as a result. I stopped eating or never ate, for example, hamburgers, hot dogs, steaks, fajitas, meatloaf, pork chops, sloppy joes, barbecue, chile rellenos, lasagna, 
bacon, sausage, ham, chicharrón, menudo, pulled pork, most tamales, barbacoa, filet mignon, roast beef, meatballs, albondigas, and beef stroganoff. Instead, I focus on dishes rich in carbohydrates and vegetables, such as Vietnamese veggie pho, spring rolls, vermicelli. I loved pasta dishes, stir fries, salads, vegetarian soups. 25 years later, I am not dealing with protein deficiency. I do not have high blood pressure, and I've never been diagnosed with any health issues, aside from hypothyroidism, which I've already shared. So where are you on the topic of protein? I advise you to do your research for yourself. My goal with this podcast is to share resources so that you can be well-informed. If you are not receiving adequate nutrition education from your physician or find conflicting information from your dietitian or nutritionist, you need to find people who are well-trained in nutrition. There are directories, and I will provide the links in the show notes. I hope that you found this to be valuable information. Listen. Head over to my Facebook group and share with me your story. Have you battled with misinformation or has your physician not been in agreement or has your physician not been in agreement with your decision to embrace plant-based foods? Let me know. That's facebook.com forward slash groups forward slash plant-based DFW. And as always, thank you for listening been listening to the Healthy Lifestyle Solutions Podcast with your host, Maya Acosta. If you've enjoyed this podcast, do us a favor and share with one friend who can benefit from this episode. Feel free to leave us an honest review on Apple Podcasts. That helps us to spread our message. Thanks for listening.